Yeah, I'm still doing quack casts. This is the 150th, ooh, cause for celebration, quack cast. It's called Rationalizing the Ridiculous. I remain flummoxed. How do physicians and healthcare systems trained in all the sciences that lie at the heart of medicine justify the use of pseudo-medical interventions with no basis in reality? Rationalization. Making excuses. Quote, a defense mechanism in which controversial behaviors or feelings are justified and explained in seemingly rational or logical manner to avoid the true explanation and are made consciously tolerable or even admirable and superior by plausible means. Rationalization of the ridiculous comes in many forms. It has been said that it is the mark of a first-rate intelligence to be able to hold two contradictory ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Clever as it is, I suspect that the opposite is true. Acupuncture. Ignoring your own analyses. So often, rationalization is as simple as denying your own data, where the content of a pseudomedicine paper is at odds with its conclusions. The most egregious example is the Cassidy study on stroke and chiropractic, which I have discussed before. But other examples are easy to find. Take acupuncture and related techniques in ambulatory anesthesia, a review of the use of acupunctures, regular, electric, and acupressure, for post-operative pain and nausea. They start off with an abstract that says, quote, Research suggests that acustimulation may alleviate postoperative morbidities, although the body of evidence of the effect is equivocal. Suggests may equivocal. Hardly a ringing endorsement. The introduction is equally lukewarm. Quote, Trials of hands-on therapies face inherent difficulties in the design of placebo controls, and the body of evidence is equivocal. The use of sham acustimulation as a placebo control is inclined to have high placebo effects. They compared a hodgepodge of acupunctures with variable outcomes, some positive, some negative. There were very few double-blind studies, and most with a positive effect for a subjective endpoint, pain or nausea, often had no change in objective endpoints, the use of pain and nausea medications. If this were a real intervention based on real physiologies, I would conclude that the intervention did nothing. As an intervention with no prior plausibility, the results are even less impressive. In this case, well, they say, quote, with reservations, as some of the trials reviewed are small and must be perceived with caution, the results suggest that acustimulation may be beneficial in alleviating post-anesthetic morbidities. The techniques are easy to perform in adverse events and costs are minimal. In particular, acupressure is non-invasive, well-tolerated, and may have good patient acceptability. Acupressure can be applied by medical staff, patients, or parents, and maintained after discharge. A feasibility study shows neither delay in the surgical procedure nor additional anesthesia time attributed to the introduction of acupuncture and acupressure. It may be profitable to consider implementing acustimulation to ambulatory patients. I presume they mean profitable here in the sense of beneficial and useful, not financial. 
It is really remarkable how a therapy that in an analysis is questionable at best and in other analyses is worthless is still suggested because it's cheap and easy to apply, not because it is effective and based on sound medical evidence. It is difficult to imagine how such a low standard of approval could be applied to an antibiotic. But then with antibiotics, you would expect a real effect against a real infection. Acupuncture clinics. The National Research Center in Complementary and Alternative Medicine, Institute of Community Medicine in Norway, might suggest using acupuncture for postoperative pain and nausea. In the United States, major medical institutions do not suggest they act. For example, Loyola announces opening of a new acupuncture clinic for patients with pelvic health disorders. The usual nonsense is put forth to justifying charging patients for fantasy-based therapy. Quote, these conditions place a significant burden on our healthcare system and the economy due to the prevalence and the fact that many patients don't respond to traditional treatments said Larissa Bressler, MD, a medical acupuncture doctor, Loyola University Health System, and assistant professor of urology, Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. The goal of the clinic will be to offer patients another tool to help alleviate their symptoms without the side effects of medications. That is, since air travel and airplanes have problems, we should rely on flying carpets argument. Quote, acupuncture has been used as a healing tool for more than 2,000 years. The ever-popular appeal to antiquity. And not even a true appeal, since the use of needles is a recent development, and as practiced at the turn of the century, traditional Chinese pseudo-medicine was gruesome. Quote, Chinese doctors own that they know nothing at all of surgery. They cannot tie an artery, amputate a finger, or perform the simplest operation. The only mode of treatment in vogue which might be called surgical is acupuncture, practiced for all kinds of ailments. The needles are of nine forms and are frequently used red hot and occasionally left in the body for days. Having no practical knowledge of anatomy, the practitioners often pass needles into large blood vessels and important organs, and immediate death has sometimes resulted. A little child was carried to the dispensary presenting a pitiable spectacle. The doctor had told the parents that there was an excess of fire in its body to let out which he must use cold needles, so he had pierced the abdomen deeply in several places. The poor little sufferer died shortly thereafter. For cholera, the needling is in the arms. For some children's diseases, especially convulsions, the needles are inserted under the nails. For eye diseases, they have often driven into the back between the shoulders to the depth of several inches. Patients have come to us with large surfaces on their backs, sloughing by reason of excessive treatments of this kind, with instruments none too clean. Yes, that's the ancient art of acupuncture. The Loyola press release mentions the mechanism by which acupuncture is alleged to work. Quote, Acupuncture is based on the traditional Chinese teaching that energy flows through the body along channels called meridians. Illness occurs when energy is blocked or disrupted. The insertion of needles into designated points improves the flow of energy and releases feel-good hormones, beneficial chemicals, and immune cells to reduce inflammation, aid healing, 
and promote pain relief. They don't mention that meridians and this energy it contains are nonsense, divorced from reality-based physiology and anatomy, and they have never, ever been demonstrated to exist. They, however, will use acupuncture for, quote, pelvic pain, nausea from pelvic surgery, interstitial cystitis, painful bladder syndrome, postoperative pain, prostatitis, and overactive bladder. The reviews for the use of acupuncture for the above conditions are typical. Maybe it works, but the studies are so poorly done you can't tell. Quote, evidence for the efficacy of needle acupuncture for treating the disorders evaluated remaining conclusive. The intervention showed promising results for reducing pelvic and back pain during pregnancy and climacteric vasomotor symptoms, although well-designed studies are needed to make the results more precise and reliable. And the evidence that acupuncture is effective for chronic prostatitis, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, is encouraging, but because of several caveats, not conclusive. Therefore, more rigorous studies seem warranted. The same as it ever was. Acupuncture only has effects in studies with poor methodology. The better the study, the worse the effect, until well-designed studies that remove all potential bias fail to show acupuncture has any effect. Which, given the prior plausibility that acupuncture would be effective for anything is zero, is what would be expected in a clinical trial. However, negative studies never disconfirm an alternative therapy, so always more studies need to be done. It hardly seems a solid foundation for a clinic for treating and charging the ill. I always wonder why the board of trustees of these institutions allows the use of magic in their hospitals. But I hope that, since the acupuncturist involved is also a urologist, they will finally have an answer to the question that has puzzled me for years. Why are there no meridians and acupuncture points in the male genitals? Why no life energy flowing in the life-generating organs? You can probably guess that answer. Integrating naturopathy. Forget acupuncture. What about using naturopaths? Integrating naturopathy, can we move forward? My short answer, no. I have discussed naturopathic education and naturopathic fitness as primary care providers in the past. The gist of this article is that the author wants to dump all his difficult-to-treat patients on naturopaths. Quote, With so many of our patients presenting with chronic pain, functional disorders, and other difficult-to-manage chronic conditions, Allopathic primary care physicians clearly need more compelling options for managing chronic disease. Naturopaths would seem ideally positioned to fill this partnership role. Very clever in a Machiavellian kind of way. Play up the whole holistic BS and then send them off to the mostly harmless, although mostly fantasy-based, therapies that make up naturopathic practice. If you have a troublesome patient, what could be better than to identify another practitioner who can care for them better than you. As a resident, transferring a patient to another service, from medicine to surgery was most common, was not only for the patient's benefit, you had a transient dip in the workload and no longer had a patient whose issues, a bad gallbladder for example, that you were not comfortable managing. The only problem is referring to naturopathy as a credible source for medical diagnosis and treatment doesn't make it so. To say, quote, 
Naturopathic medicine is a distinct method of primary health care, an art, science, not, philosophy, and practice of diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of illness. In stark contrast to narrowly interpreted biomedical model where pharmaceuticals are administered to battle disease, naturopathic physicians seek to restore and maintain optimal health in their patients by emphasizing nation's inherent self-healing process. This is accomplished through education and the rational use of natural therapeutics. The naturopathic physician thus uses holistic approaches to enhance and restore the body's own innate healing systems. Naturopaths undergo a four-year graduate-level course of study, but are generally not residency-trained. This ignores the fact that they are trained in unproven, often irrational fantasy. Nutritional supplements, homeopathy, acupuncture, hydrotherapy, and electrical stimulation. There is no nonsensical therapy that is not part of the naturopathic armamentarium. That is the part of the problem with naturopathy. Any and all medical magic is in their purview, and they are usually anti-vaccine. The author recognizes that there are conflicting paradigms between doctors and naturopaths. You think? He gives several examples of the different approaches between MD and ND for some common diseases, but suggests that somehow these differences can be overcome. It is somewhat akin to recommending raising an alligator as a household pet. In the end, it will end badly. Say, honey, have you seen the dog and the baby? Despite his suggestions that education and medical standards could somehow integrate naturopaths into a reality-based practice of medicine, to do so would require that the naturopath abandon the fantasies in which they have invested time and money. I doubt that will happen. Quote, establishing and improving lines of open, respectful, constructive communication will be a first step toward developing the type of collaboration between allopathic, i.e. real, and naturopathic physicians that our patients deserve. Sorry, our patients do not deserve naturopathic practice, although the lateral pass of the difficult patient might make your clinic easier. To quote me, if you mix cow pie with apple pie, it does not make the cow pie taste better. It makes the apple pie worse. What our patients need is better apple pie, not cow pie. And that ends the 150th QuackCast. You can find the references over at sciencebasedmedicine.org. And don't forget to check out the Society for Science-Based Medicine, sfsbm.org. Otherwise, talk to you later. Bye.